In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs with a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cats. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we're we're Absolute Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Welcome to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, a podcast that teaches you how to be the very best dog owner your dog could ever wish for. Now today, we're going to talk to you about being your dog's best advocate and working alongside our veterinary professionals, because not only is Tom a vet, actually... I am, I You know what, you forget this. (laughs) Actually, we know that all of you guys out there, you're visiting vets on a day-to-day basis. Myself, I know that whether I visit Tom or whether I um, visit the local vets... You know what? It's something that as a dog owner, at some point you're going to need to know. Even my most healthy dogs, vets have been a part of our lives. And it's a great opportunity for us to prepare for us to train for the situation for us whether it's training ourselves and our choices whether it's training our dogs and they as you probably all experienced you probably all experienced vet visits that went terribly wrong they were disastrous and you've probably also experienced vet visits where you're like oh that went better than i thought and so what we're going to do is we're going to dissect actually really how can we get more of the the second option now, in I, our lives. I want to think back to Poppy, my late naughty but nice dog. And she was for sure a difficult dog in a vet waiting room. And actually, if I think back to this now, Poppy, um, she, this would have been probably 17, 18 years ago. So we're looking 17, 18 years ago. And I remember taking her at the time it was St. David's Vets. It was, um, I was at university um, and um, sadly, gosh, that was a few years ago. And And what I would do is I would go into that vet waiting room and I would take Poppy with me. And I remember that if a German Shepherd was to come in or a different breed, particularly black dogs, you really, and and particularly poodles, oh my gosh, there weren't ever too many poodles, but wow, poodles were a thing. And if they were to come into that waiting room and she was to be sat in that waiting room, she would have been calm, she would have been settled and they would have come in and there was an explosion of Poppy. And quite quickly, I learned that the best place to leave her was my vehicle Mm -hmm. until the vet was ready to see her. And yet quite often the process was the vet was saying, bring her in, make sure she's here, make sure she's here. All of the people in the waiting room were bringing their dogs in and all of the uh, receptionists were like, Lauren, go and get the dog, like bring the dog in so she's ready. And so if I think about where we were to where we are today, actually, I think there's been a lot of progress. Yeah. And in fact, waiting vet waiting rooms, you know, at least for the time being, they're, they're a bit of a thing of the past. And, and the- to be fair, Tom, with your vets, they've always been... A thing, a thing of the, of the past, past yeah. right? Like you've and managed so, those very well. Yeah, I'm glad that you know every, every, the 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 in in effect, this is one of the changes that that 2020 has has forced. That actually are really it's really to the benefit of the dog because vet waiting rooms are typically areas where there's reactions, there's stress, there's stressed out owners, there's stressed out dogs, there's stressed out cats. You know, in the in the if, if we operated a, that kind of waiting room at, at Cranbrook Vets, well, there'd be stressed out snakes, there'd be stressed out birds, dogs. We'd do 
a lot of exotic work. And and, so, and then just bring in that kangaroo thing. Yeah, what was the, that one called? You know, a wallaby. The wallaby. There's, a, there's often a wallaby <laughs> on the diary. There's often Can a meerkat. You, and guys, meerkats, they look cute. They are absolutely Do not terrifying. Trust them. All Do right? not trust them. Um, trust me on that one. So um, the, the key is that actually I've never operated that kind of waiting room in that people would wait in their car. They would bring, um, they, there would only ever be one person in the waiting room at any one time because we'd operate two consulting rooms so that actually the, the dogs, there were never multiple animals, let alone multiple species and in the waiting room. if we think about how stressful that space could be mm. when, I mean, I remember being at the vets with, with Pop and there were maybe seven or eight dogs in that waiting room at any time and then just pop a little cat in the middle yeah. and just leave him in his little basket, his little basket, which is wire, which he can see all around him whilst he is, uh, he's one of those pedigree types that goes, wow. <laughs> and he has that real like, sort of like low tone of, yeah. I've, I've got it practiced. I've had Siamese yeah. cats for many years. And so, um, yeah, for me, this is a, a, a place that doesn't need to be like this, my, right? My favorite situation, this always makes me laugh, is um, is when I visit another vet practice or in like another vet hospital and you, you look at the waiting room and they have a cat waiting room and a dog waiting room so that the cats are not stressed out. But the waiting rooms are divided by a bag of food. And it's like, a dog food bag. I, I don't think it's going to cover it somehow. So um, what we need to do is we need to actively think about what goes on outside of the, the consult room. And that might be, you know, keep your dog nice and calm um, in the car. It might be, um, I don't know, what you know, have your dog on lead and, you know, take them for a little wonder. It might be that you leave your dog in the car, you go and, you know, register, let them know that you're there and then wait to be called. The, the key is, is that, you know, know, there's, there's really no reason for a waiting room, especially now that most vet practices that are moving towards a 15 minute consult time. And like, for example, um, Cranbrook Vets, we, we operate a, a 30 minute consultation because we think that's, you know, only fair to dogs and owners that they have that time to really understand everything. And we re really can get to the bottom of everything there. And so there really is no need for this like fast fire. Um, quick, your dog needs to be ready, right? Run into the consult room, right? You've got an eight minute consultation, get everything that you need to say. You're only allowed to discuss one problem. That's really not needed all the way now and nor, nor should it ever be the way. And so I suppose moving on from that, knowing that um, obviously 2020 has been a little different in terms of vets. I've been to multi-vet appointments this year, sadly, because you know what, if anything, I'd like to avoid um, those sorts of um, have-to-go appointments. Yeah. And we've had a few of those. Um, and for me, they've actually been largely stress-free. And I think because of a couple of things that we implement to allow that. And I know that we've talked about it, Tom. And, and one of those is I often video. Mm -hmm. So I video or I note take or I make sure I've got all of my sort of evidence to to, to case for them. Yeah. And one of them was was Everest had been sick. Mm -hmm. So she'd been sick. And you know what? As, mu as much as it sounded and she'd, she'd carried on throwing up like some sort of frothy sort of foam. And I took pictures and I know that sounds odd. And I know you guys might be going, ew, if you're dog owners or you're like Tom and I, and you kind of absolutely surround yourself with dogs, you're going to do things like that because you can then show the vet that's exactly yeah. what happened. That's what it looked like. Yeah. Or say your dog's lame. That's exactly how she's lame. And you've shown it in a space that isn't like your vet corridor mm -hmm. or the gravel car park. Mm -hmm. You've shown it in a space that's appropriate. So I think absolutely it's amazing as well. today we can use those, those yeah. technologies, right? And it's amazing what you can what you can determine like even you know let's say your dog's got loose stools 
or diarrhea, taking a photo of that and showing your vets is incredibly useful. Is it? Is there a large volume of it on the photo? Maybe it's it's more small intestinal. Is there a small volume? Maybe it's more. And large I know you intestinal. guys might be there going, "Oh God, Lord, they're talking yeah. about poo." Yes, we are. Yeah. We are dog owners. We are normal people, yeah. and we are both also professional in our worlds. And actually, we know that these bits of information are going to help um, get to the sort of um, what to the core of it quicker, right? Is there, you know, a, you know, a, a teaspoon of fresh blood in there? Is there a bit of jelly, mucusy type stuff? These things can be seen from a photo or you can do a video if you like and um, and definitely and not smell it, it, yeah exactly <laughs> it, it, it really can influence um the direction of investigation and the direction of treatment now leading on from that the 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 key here is that how does this work practically in working with your vet? Your vet might be thinking, well, your vet might never have asked you for this. Well, what you can do is you can book your appointment as normal, but then ask the ask the, the person that you speak to when you book that appointment, you know, is there an email address that I can send some kind of like supporting materials to? And then you send the, the stuff to that email address. And then when you get called for your appointment, you can say, um, I've actually sent through some stuff that I'd love you to look at before we kind of decide what we do you know, does my dog even come into the practice or is there something that we can see from these videos or, or, or pictures? And that then is not asking any more of your vet. It's not, you know, asking them to do something and that's unreasonable. I think that you, what, what Tom and I both want to do is not necessarily, we, we don't want to teach anybody to go out there and challenge. What we want no. to do is ask the right questions and support with the right evidence so that actually you support your dog and you're your dog's best advocate. And at the same time, you're also making your vet's life hopefully easier because Absolutely. you are giving them so much more. Like for me, if I've got a dog with maybe, I don't know, any of those sorts of things, I might even take a sample with me mm. or I might, you, you start to become aware that your questions and your insights and your what you do spot and your vigilance yeah. isn't being annoying it's actually supporting hopefully the best route and treatment um for your dog yeah absolutely and so now let's move on to the stage where you actually your vet is examining or treating your dog now Think about how much we've talked about and we've only just got to this stage. That shows how important being proactive is in this situation. The key is that, uh, you know, I'm a vet. I'm pr I think the, the animals that come to my practice, they're pretty stress-free because these things are in place. And yet I still have to do things sometimes that are not that nice to animals. So, for example, I might have to take their temperature from their bottom. Or like, I, let's give an example of Everest. She's a really cool dog. She's a lovely dog. She's a sweet, sweet dog. She really doesn't like needles. Yeah. And I don't know, when I say she doesn't like needles, she doesn't do anything like curl a lip or anything. She literally goes inside herself yeah. and wants to like get let the ground swallow her up. Totally like, fine. She's lush dog. Until the point of feeling that needle and then she's like, I'm really not fine. You literally, and totally right okay. until the last, like last moment, isn't it? It is yeah. last moment. And, and the key is that there are some things, some experiences that are inherently, you know, a little bit painful, a little bit sore, a little bit uncomfortable. A little bit unusual, a little yeah. bit novel. Actually, it's not often that she's had to have anything in her skin. Like she's yeah. not. So actually those things might it's be unusual. It's not day to day. No. Right? So um, the key is that what we need to do in those instances is actually manage what the dog learns. So think about it. A bad experience is going to happen, no matter how much we make it nice. Now, the thing is, our dogs are learning all the time. They're trying to predict bad things so that they can avoid them in the future. What do we want them to learn? Well, what we don't want them to learn is that when the guy in the blue blue T-shirt walks over to me, I feel pain and therefore I'm worried about him. Because that event is going to happen, you know, they're probably going to be approached by other men 
They're probably going to be approached by other men and wearing suddenly, blue t-shirts. They're not wearing blue t-shirts, they're wearing black t-shirts, but it's kind of similar, so, right? Yeah, and exactly. so suddenly we have an issue. So this is where the power of the vet table, and we'll talk about equivalents for those really huge dogs in a second, but the power of the vet table is really important. The, the vet examination table was originally um, kind of used as a way of trying to make dogs more scared so that they would behave themselves so that they could be examined or to make the vet's life easier and, you know, it being right there and them not having to bend down. But the reality is that it had a, a hidden gift. And the hidden gift was that when they're on that table and maybe something not so nice happens, which, as we know, some things are unavoidable, injections, thermometer, um, then they learn that the table is bad. They don't learn that the man or woman in the blue T-shirt is bad. Or the and they may the approach me at hair. any point. And if they come to approach me, actually, this is how I respond. Yeah. So actually, it doesn't become like a maybe at any point. It's actually, no, this table, this point. Yeah, and so the way that you know, a vet consult would, would work like if you, if you came to me as a vet, I would definitely examine your dog and I would, de dependent on what your dog was comfortable with, we talk about some super cool, like sneaky strategies that, that make that experience stress free. But if I had to do anything that was, you know, could be uncomfortable or could be not so nice, like an injection, I'd say, right, let's hop them up on the table. I would give the injection. And then we'd hop them down again. And so that they learn that that table is the predictor. And that is, you know, a big gift that we can give our dogs. Now, some of you might be thinking, I've got an Irish wolfhound. I've got a Great Dane. There's no amount I of will in the world. I have a Neapolitan Mastiff, a Bernese Mountain <laughs> dog, or I don't know, let's say one of those big Pyrenean sheep dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of those. Um, there's no will in the world that is going to get my Great Dane up on that table. Now, the the cool thing is, is that... And really, actually, Tom wouldn't be able to reach them anyway yeah, once no, they're I'd, up there. <laughs> to climb up there myself. Uh, so the key is that really, why does the table work so effectively in this way? It's because it's visual, it's very different, and it's not commonly occurring. So actually, the table could be the presence of a particular towel or a particular blanket or, um, you know, a traffic cone. It literally can be absolutely anything, just something different that your dog's not going to encounter on a daily basis that you can put in that situation so that effectively they learn that that is the predictor. And it's really important that we do this. Um, an example being, I had a, um, a, a lovely rabbit. He lived to a very old age. He was a house rabbit. He lived with the dogs. So you can imagine there was a pretty cool little guy. And, and he got a glaucoma in one eye. Now, that required lots of eye drops. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever given eye drops to a rabbit, but, um, you know, rabbits do hate really well. So if they hate something, you know they hate it. Like they will stomp their feet, they will run at you and nip you, they will make all these scary noises and they're just like that little cute floppy-eared um, bunny and they're not scary at all. But they, they do hate with a passion, right? And so what I did is I thought, I don't want my lovely rabbit to hate me. That would be a disaster. How can I manage these associations? So what I did is I would pop him in his, um, in his, I would kind of lead him on into his pen and he would be in his pen. I I'd cover the entire pen with a big beach towel. So it was literally like blackout, right? And then I would reach into the pen with the towel. I would pick him up in the towel. I would then just kind of expose his head by lifting the, the, the front of the towel up. I'd pop his eye drop in. I'd pop him back into the pen. I would then recover the pen, total blackout. And then I would remove the, the towel and I would open up the pen again. Now, he never once ever showed any signs of being worried about me because what he was worried about was that specific experience. And actually, in the end, because it was very predictable, 
all and we'd managed his learning he actually wasn't even that worried about that experience because he's like oh I, you know i know what's coming i know the drill here it's all fine what we often do is we make the picture very messy. And the tricky thing is, is often in us trying to make it better for animals and go really slowly and take our time. And some people do the worst thing possible, which is try and take them by surprise when they're asleep. What we do is we make a muddy picture. And the muddy picture means that our dogs can learn absolutely anything. And it's nearly always things that are probably entirely accurate that, you know what, when my mum creeps up Don't on me her. when I'm asleep, do not trust her. <laughs> very fair right so we need to manage this learning and i think the big thing here is that actually you control it you get to choose and i think so many people don't realize that you have a lot of say yeah. you have a lot of choice you have a lot of i think people hand over all of the responsibility to the vet mm -hmm. and they say it's your responsibility you're the professional Absolutely. actually i think that we as owners have a lot of responsibility and can yeah. take some of the responsibility back on our shoulders and say actually this is how I need this experience to be for him yeah. and these are the ways I can do it and I think that then it puts us back in a position of actually understanding and having a little bit more I suppose respect of that relationship yeah. for me it's respect of the relationship I with Everest being at the vets recently I and, and needing bloods and a few other things I didn't want those experiences to be done in a way that I knew um, would unsettle and, and leave her not trusting of the situation and so lots of those things we implemented put into place and that really for her has safeguarded her optimism in other in other areas especially knowing that you might have ongoing vet care yeah. so I think that for me is is something that we should all as owners maybe appreciate. Actually, we can take some of that responsibility. It's not, it, we don't have to hand it all over. Um, actually, and, and to ask questions, like not to be scared to ask, ask sensible, logical yeah. questions about options. Because I, I think that sometimes, one thing I would say with, I, I've, I've got lots of friends who have vet, Tom being one of them. And one thing is they don't always have the same answer and that's okay, right? Like that's yeah. not a bad thing. Like I, of course, um, like love to ask a couple of like because they're, they're, it's such a specialist area right yeah absolutely and and the key there is that it's all guided by your questions right so you know even down to ask better questions asking beyond what is the you know the 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 just the specific problem. Let's say, I don't know, you take your dog to the vet and your vet says, well, this would be, you know, what, how I would treat that. It's like, great, you know, I, I trust you. Let's say, you know, tell me about all the different options and, and talk to me about them. And then in addition to that, are there any other ways that I can support my dog through this? Are there some nutritional things that I should explore? Are, are there maybe some lifestyle changes that would and, even help my dog to heal even more? And I think for me, the questions that recently, I mean, I've chatted to a couple of vets about, um, not Tom, um, the vets locally to us, and, and sometimes they'll have recommended something and I'll say, so what will that give me? And they're like, a diagnosis, is there anything I can do about it? No. So actually, sometimes when we maybe yeah. interfere yeah. for no reason, potentially, because yeah. it can't change anything. So it can't change the outcome. Yeah. And right. And I think that's absolutely. something that people aren't always aware of. I, I think that's a, a really important point. You know, it's probably a podcast that we can tackle in the future that at some point investigations cross the line of being not productive and instead the investigation is purely for the purpose of finding out how bad the problem is mm -hmm. and what we've got to think in those situations is actually what would our dogs choose would our dogs choose to you know undergo more intervention more interaction for no more outcome. handling to for their owners just to learn that the picture's even worse than 
they thought and how that would impact the relationship. Do you think, you know, you can ask yourself the question, do I really want to even be part of that? This was something that I chatted to after chatting to my own vet. So I then chatted to Tom and said, this is kind of what I decided. And I decided actually, no, that wasn't what my dog would choose. And equally, I don't choose it. So actually, why am I putting myself and her through this? Mm -hmm. Like, actually, is that logical, sensible, doesn't fit with me? And I think this is where, when you don't like the answer, ask a better question. And actually, don't stop asking questions if you feel like you can make make headway there. Mm -hmm. And equally, then also know where you say, no, actually, I'm enjoying this as it is and let's not change it right yeah absolutely and and so i guess the final thing to that this leads really nicely on to is actually realizing that there's a lot within your control in terms of considering the overall wellness of your dog you know this is something that we will will teach more on in the future Uh, but the key is that there's a, a, a there's the medical approach which is diagnosis and treat and fix right or there is the wellness approach which is actually support prevent enhance achieve optimal well-being and this is something that you know it's talked a little about a little bit about in humans but certainly not enough and it's talked very little about in dogs and that's where you know that's how aok9 came about and that's for me where um the more and more i learn about um i don't know things like everest having cancer and 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 stuff like that for me the more and more i'm like no optimal yeah yeah, thrive let's work out how we actually get to this place with our dogs rather than wait for things to happen and then find a fix if there is one actually we can look at it from a completely different perspective and we can start it earlier preventatively education education and education educating ourselves like it makes such a big difference to come in at a different angle 100 so you know what we'll we'll die dive deeper in, into this in future podcast episodes, but really be constantly thinking about how can I move from a world of survive to a world of thrive. So guys, we've covered a lot there. And really the, the main purpose of this episode was to really talk about the vet visit itself. What we've realized is actually it opens, <laughs> it opens up This it is Tom and I chatting. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to dedicate um, future podcast episodes to specific body systems. You know, how can you best support your dog's um, muscles, joints, and bones? How can you best support your dog's dental wellness? How can you best support your dog's gut and brain wellness? That's what we're going to be covering in the future. So get excited about that. But in in the meantime, process what we said, take action, be your dog's superhero. Be your, your dog's best advocate, yeah. guys. They, there is no one better appointed than you. You are the very best dog owner your dog could ever wish for. And with that, we will see you in the next episode. And remember, stay, stay sexy. sexy. Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel Challenge? It's a 25-day online video program. Huge energy, amazing community, and over 6,000 people are already taking part. The only question is, you know where you are today. Where do you want to be 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy.